I help to provide context to a valley in someone's life. If you ask Corbin Elliott how he wants to leave an imprint on the world, that's the answer he'll most likely convey. Elliott is a psychological strategist. In other words, he leverages analytical cause and effect problem solving to facilitate a higher degree of emotional well-being and life satisfaction. He also has his own individual story of triumph, which is stopped by the program to share with me this week and how he helps other people live the life they intended to live. I'm Kevin McShan. Let's have this conversation. Let's dive into your story. How did you go from a guy experiencing psychosomatic muscle spasms to someone with joy? Yeah, so uh, I think a big part of my struggle was just not knowing what I was going to do with my life from a career standpoint. So, you know, it... A big part of what my problems were was I was trying to pursue careers for the wrong reasons, and as a result, I I sort of got the backlash, the psychological backlash, and then the the bodily backlash, and and all of that good stuff. Um, so you know, I was in college, I'm about a year and a half out of college now, post grad, and um, you know, I started out in music. You know, that was that was my love. That was the thing I really liked doing. That was the thing I was really good at doing. Um, and as I went through college, I there was doubt started to come up. You know, I started to go, oh, okay, well, this isn't going to be, you know, what I thought was stable until I realized you could make it stable in creative ways. Um, it wasn't uh, something that was, I don't know, revered at a cocktail party as much as some other careers. You know, I couldn't come up and say, hey, I'm this, and, you know, no other questions asked. Um, and... Uh, you know, because of that, I sort of started to take different paths that weren't really me. Um, like, it wasn't something that I would enjoy doing from a day-to-day basis or a day-to-day routine. Um, but I was doing it anyway because I thought it would be a safer choice or a better choice for people to admire me socially or something to that regard. Um, so, I did a bunch of different things. I started out, I did um, personal training and then um, wanted to become a physician and, and, and all these different things that they weren't really me, um, but I thought they were more stable than being a musician, which is what I really wanted to do. And um, as a result, I started to get a lot of kickback. And by kickback, I mean um, I was constantly anxious. Like I was constantly worried about, you know, um, oh my gosh, I'm going down this road and I'm, I'm hearing all these things about it and I'm hearing all these negative things. And it's and it really it was me realizing that it wasn't for me, but I didn't want to admit that to myself because that would mean I'd have to go back to something that was scary, but probably the best thing for me. Um, 
And I did this for so long without wanting to admit this to myself and make a change that that's whenever I, that's how I got to the muscle spasm stage. Um, so, like, you know, like I said, it started out psychologically. I was anxious. I was, you know, not in my best, I was not in good moods. You know, if you would, if you would come up to me and start talking to me like we did this before this interview, I'd, I'd bite your head off because I wasn't in a good place. Um, and then slowly it got worse and worse until it manifested in, you know, I was getting, um, muscle spasms and tightness in my mid-back, um, tightness in my chest, tightness all over the place. And it, it got to the point where I could not move. Like my, like my entire body was locked up. My full back was just to the point where I couldn't get out of bed and, and go to the bathroom on my own. And I, I mean, I was 23, 22, something like that. Um, so it was a nasty situation. And, you know, the way that I gained relief from that was reconnecting with who I am and saying, okay, well, I actually want to do this other thing, and then beginning to walk my way back towards who I really was as a person. So that's a little bit of an introduction to me. Yeah, absolutely, and now you going to use that personal experience to help people sort of discover the life uh, experiences they want rather than the ones that they're forced to live. So tell me about how you help other people sort of find their personal center and live the life they want to live. Yeah, well, okay, so really the reason that I'm, I took the initiative to be this dude on the internet who talks about this um, is uh, because I help to provide context to a valley in someone's life. So in, in this case, it's like um, if you're going down this road and you're noticing, oh, I'm getting anxious, I don't think it's for me, blah, 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 blah. It took me so long. <laughs> it took me so long to change. Like, like a, so much pain went into that um, because, you know, frankly, I didn't have somebody on the Internet telling me, hey, man, if you're feeling this way, this way, and this way, you should probably and make it take a different route and go a different direction. Um, but I didn't have that. Um, I didn't have someone saying, hey, I did this, and I'm on the other side of it now, and it turned out great. Um, so I see my role as being the guy who's there to say, hey, if you're feeling this way and you're on the downward slope, let's go ahead and have you change direction so you can suffer less. Um, so that's what I see my role on the Internet is. But there's a lot of different exercises that I actually did myself uh, and that I suggest for other people to do to sort of find what makes them happiest while they're doing it for a job. I mean, because, you know, work can be, you know, not fun, but it can really be not fun if you're doing something that you're not really made to do, I think. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah, and your, uh, and your role as a psychological strategist, you have people sort of leverage their analytical uh, part of themselves to... Uh, become better problem solvers and facilitate a higher degree of emotional well-being and life satisfaction. So I'm wondering if you can tell me more. Sure. So I just use different exercises for myself. So I'm a guy, everything that I do is self-test. So like, it's all, I used a strategy, it worked for me. And then I see it as my role to speak that back to people and to, to get it on podcasts and try to share my message with as many people as I can. Um, so I do mainly practical exercises. So the first one that I really suggest for people, it's called the Joy Journal. And this is, I 
I couldn't recommend this anymore. If you're someone who is a little uncertain about really anything, it doesn't. This doesn't just apply to a career. Um, it can apply to anything. Um, just to get to know yourself better and help to follow that. Journal for 30 days, and what your job is is at the end of the day, you sit down and you say, okay, what did I enjoy most about this day, and and then you do what moments, and then you free write what you enjoyed. And you do this for 30 days, whatever period of time. Um, I don't want to constrain you too deeply. Uh, but at the end of that time period, you look for patterns in your in your journals. So you look for, oh, I said that I really liked talking to people, or I was charismatic, or I was good in front of people, and I really liked those moments. You notice those, you circle those, and then those are the things that you look for in the future you look to put yourself in that situation more and more in the future in your day-to-day life. If you figure out ways to do that uh, in a way that, um, you know, for your career, for my, for my uh, standpoint. So that's uh, one of the exercises I recommend for people. Yeah, Corbin, you know, I always tell people that everyone's portrait of success is different, right, Bonnie? So it's all about finding your sweet spot in terms of finding your passion and purpose. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think it's about you you want to figure out what makes you happiest in the moment, right? It makes you like you're doing it and you feel positive emotions. Figure out what those triggers are for you and then spend the maximum amount of time in those things as possible. That's pretty much my quote on that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, you had mentioned that you, you had. Uh... Uh, dealt with muscle spasms earlier in your life. And, but I, just to share a little bit about myself, I was born with what's called a spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy, so I deal with muscle spasms every day. So I'm curious to ask you about overcoming adversity in order to persevere, uh, to find your own That, that is an excellent question. I think in order to achieve that, you have to understand the context of adversity. So like like I was mentioning earlier in the specific example of in order to manage adversity, I think you have to deeply know in some way that it will get better. Like I think I think that's the really only way to make sense of it psychologically um, because then you're like, okay, if I can just hold out. If I can just hold out, a good thing will happen. But in order to get that context, I feel like you have to have gone through... I think there's two options. You have to have gone through something before that's really difficult, really adverse, you know, an illness. Um, You have to have gone through losing a loved one or losing a job or or anything that we see as difficult. Um, And you have to have gone through it, seen it got really bad, and then you see it get better. And then you, you understand that, and you go, oh, okay, well, so there was really bad stuff. I continued to work through it, and then things got better. Um, so you either have to have that, or you have to have a guy on the Internet that you can identify with who has that story. And he says, okay, this is what happened, this is what happened. I had muscle spasms. I was really confused. I was super anxious. I had low self-esteem, and then it got better. Um, and you have to either have that, and you really have to be able to relate with me, because if you can't 
if people can't relate with me and they go, oh, I can see myself in this guy in some way, then they'll be like, oh, that's just guy, some guy saying something. It's like reading something out of a textbook. Um, so you either have something you really, someone you really identify with and you say, okay, he did that. That's probably what's happening to me. Or you've experienced it before and you can better work through it because you know it'll get better or you've seen it get better. Yeah, Corbin, you know, I'm always about uh, creating an environment where more unity can be experienced. And part of the way I do that is promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion for all people, uh, specifically people with disabilities. But how do you think we can create a society where diversity, equity, and inclusion is not only celebrated, but Yeah, I think it's really pr actually really practical and tactical. It's just getting people to do it. Um, so I think um, empathy, the concept of empathy, which is really the ability to transport yourself into another person's point of view on something or like their experience or something, you know, to that regard. Um, so say, you know, you're having a conversation with someone and if you can start to disconnect you can start to realize that we all have the same human needs, essentially. You know, we all want to have some form of, of significance. We all want to be loved in some way. You know, there, there are things that are, are universal across all people. Um, and noticing that and allowing that to guide us in, in the sense of, hey, we don't have, I don't, I don't believe there are bad people per se. I believe there are people who have needs and don't get them met in the most productive way. That, that's what that's what I believe. I think if we can reframe that, because if we think that there's bad people, we're always going to be fractured. If we think that there's, there's bad people at the core, we're always going to be adversarial to them. But if we, if we look at it from, we all have these needs, and maybe in the past I saw them do something and it hurt me, or, um, you, know, it, it, you know, I don't care about them because I don't see them as being like to me. Um, realizing that we all have the same needs, that helps us to go, oh, okay, we're all on the same playing field here. We're, we're more alike than we are different. And I think that conclusion allows us to treat each other with respect because we go, okay, we are so alike. It's like if I was, you know, just had lived in that person's body or whatever, we would be the same, essentially. You know, if I had their experiences, we would be essentially the same. Um, and noticing that allows us to, to have compassion with one another. So that would be my, my solution, or a part of my solution. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, you also host a podcast, but I call the Peace and Purpose. So tell me what the podcast is about or the message you're trying to convey. Yeah, so, so the podcast really got born out of um, it, it was born out of, I was literally going through, whenever we started it, I was really going through the back half of me just going through the difficult situation of what am I going to do with my life and managing other people's expectations and all the things that I spoke about earlier. Just, just the difficulty of and the psychological changes going on during college life and speaking about that openly. So the podcast is really about, especially young people, but people of any age, making a change in their life and just navigating the uncomfortableness that, that can come with life, the difficulties, um, and navigating back to a place of, okay, this is who I am, this is what I think I'm supposed to be doing, and 
and the path of being happy and content doing those things. So sort of navigating a difficulty and getting back on track. That's how the podcast got started, and I started it during the right after the height of my pain. So I had I had fresh uh, fresh recognition of these things at that point. Well, it provides you a more authentic perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, and and a lot of the things that I tell tell people. Like, the entirety of what I tell people, really. Like I said, I'm sort of like the human guinea pig. Um, and then I just... My target audience is me going through a similar experience of what I was going through last year. So, like, I've taken what I did last year, processed it, and now I'm telling you what I did that worked and what I did that didn't work. That That's essentially my entirety on, on the internet. But it, at the same time, it's visceral because it's always stuff that I just went through and I... I feel it still. So so I connect with it. I think that allows me to, because it's real and not, you know, in a lab, me testing something, like, it helps me to, I don't know, just have a better connection with people that are actually going through it currently. And it allows me to give them good tools because I know it works. At least it did on me, and it gives me things to, I guess, fodder for people to try at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you have some thoughts on how people can overcome uh, the lack of confidence and increased fear. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about it. Yeah, so confidence, so it, it's really interesting and it's tricky. So people have the tendency to want to, the, the only way that they think they'll feel successful is by blowing the roof off of the place, you know, and going, okay. I'll be confident when I win the Nobel Prize or when I uh, when I win a Grammy or something, you know, like something something crazy, very high thing to aim at. I think, but the problem is, the problem is, um, they then don't consider small steps to give them any boost in confidence. So, like, the only way that they're going to gain any confidence is if they really do something incredible. But if you make the deal with yourself to say, okay, the actual, it's challenging and worthwhile just to complete one thing, like to me, to get on this interview and do, and, and to, to, to provide some value. If I can make the fact that I did this interview something that is a win for me, and I can actually think, oh, that was a win, I then build my confidence, as opposed to considering only winning the Nobel Prize a win. Um, because this way, and there's actually a good study on this, they, they worked with lobsters, actually, and lobsters, not that everything has to be fighting or whatever, but lobsters fight a lot, um, and the way it works is the lobster that won one fight, you know, let's say he won a fight 10 minutes ago, and, you know, then he walks around and some other lobster challenges him. He is now, I think it was something like 10 times more likely to win the next fight because he won the one before it. Because he considered that fight before as a win. So now he is more likely than another lobster of equal strength, of equal dexterity, whatever, to win this next fight because he won the one before it. Before, because he, he is stacking wins, essentially. So we need to train ourselves to consider small things win so that we can more quickly stack and and gain confidence that way. That's that's my antidote or one of my my tips for broadly helping you to become a little bit more confident. It's make your win your win criteria lower. Yeah, absolutely. You have to celebrate the small wins in life, don't you? A hundred percent. And just and just actually believing that small things are wins. That that's that's the tricky thing. 
You're like, oh, I'm telling this this guy. This is another one of those moments where, oh, this guy on a podcast told me to consider small things wins. You know, like the common thing that people talk about and in just well wellness or personal uh, personal development or whatever. Um, but it's like if you can actually convince yourself that small wins are wins that really matter. Your, your confidence is going to get better, but th- the process of actually doing that and noticing that is, is harder than just me saying it. So, but yeah. Yeah, and as we have been talking, I've been curious to ask you your top three ways, you know, to manage stress and anxiety. In order to come out the other side and realize that, that every a small stumble isn't a catastrophic event, but a learning experience. So, under that context, I'm wondering if you can tell me your top three ways of sort of managing stress and anxiety to come out the other side. Yeah. So, with the type of anxiety, so I think there's two things here. There's one that is sort of absolving the anxiety, and then there's one of when you have really bad anxiety how you're managing it in the moment just to keep your sanity. <laughs> um, so, so there's two different two different versions here, but I'll, I'll give you three different things that you can do. Um, so first, let's talk about um, let's talk about how you can possibly solve the anxiety and really really make steps to that. Um, so the way that at least my form of anxiety, ask yourself ask yourself this question because it helped me a lot. What do I know? that I wish I did not know? If you think about that question, for me, it's, what do I know that I wish I did not know? You know, maybe it's, oh, I deeply know that I am that I don't want to be a doctor, but man, I, I wish I didn't have to face it. <laughs> so, and because I wish I don't have to face it, I'm not going to admit it to myself. I'm not going to say it out loud or write it down or do anything or tell it, God forbid, tell anybody, um, because, man, that's painful. So I know that I don't want to become a doctor. So I, I know my solution now. I need to change paths from being a doctor. Um, but you know now it's mustering the strength to do that. But I think the fundamental question of, of securing at least the form of anxiety that I had was face the thing that's within you um, and, 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 and go for it and actually change paths. But you have to ask yourself that question first. So that's a real cure thing. Um, then for number two, here's a basic thing just for if I'm in anxiety, I'm really not sure how to get around it and, and to move forward and make it better. Here's something just to sort of comfort yourself and make yourself a little bit better. Um, people maybe talk about this, but the gym, <laughs> people hate the gym, um, and I understand. I get it. Um, I'm a gym buff myself, um, but the endorphin release that that you receive from exercising is basically a contrary pathway to the to the stress and anxiety hormones especially that are released neurochemically so so essentially you're by exercising you are antagonizing your stress res- or the the stress response that makes you feel anxious at least there's a, there's a stress response because you're you're working out but the endorphins that are released as a byproduct they sort of block stress and anxiety on a temporary level so if you're looking for something just to sort of give yourself a, a push while you're you're not really sure how to solve the anxiety, the bigger picture, um, working out is great. The endorphins you receive is 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 counter to anxiety. Um, so so that's another version, and I'll give you a third. Um, there's a certain type of um, journaling that I just call free writing, 
and it's it's I, actually I don't call it free writing. Let's be honest. I call it a brain dump. And a brain dump is when you just sit down and you write everything you think. <laughs> you, you just if you think something, you write it, and you're just you're going going going. This could be multiple pages, and it would blow your mind out of your face <laughs> to, to notice how much this actually helps. Um, just to to solve you and to if once you get those thoughts that have been spiraling up, especially if you're to your breaking point and you're really having a rough time, really having a rough couple of minutes here um, or a rough day. Getting those spiraling thoughts out of your head and onto paper really helps to dampen the feeling of of, anxi of anxiety and stress. So those are my three. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my final question for you has to do with your a passion for writing, uh, the release you get out of the written word. And then finally, tell me, how do you think uh, you want your personal and professional legacy to be defined? Yeah. I want to – here's my thing. So I think the end game is the ratio of positive feelings to negative feelings in, in your life that you experience. I think that is subjective well-being. I think that's what matters most for people, for humans at least. Um, so I want my legacy to be the guy who brought good, more good feelings to someone than bad feelings whenever they experienced me. So like if somebody's listening to this podcast, I want to be someone that when Corbin Elliott's on the show – I feel a lot of positive emotions, and I don't feel so many negative emotions, like long-term or in the moment. Um, that's really what I want my legacy to be. And yes, yeah, sometimes when I say something, it may trigger something, may make you feel uncomfortable, but I want my imprint on this world to be one that's net positive. That's really all I care about, and I want to do that through ways that I'm, I'm talented in. So, so that's really what I want my legacy to be. Yeah, and tell me if people want to get connected with you, Corbin, what's the best way they can do that, Bobby? Yeah, so if you look up the Peace and Purpose podcast literally anywhere, um, we are pretty much all there is. So on, on Google, we're the pretty much the entire front page. Uh, if you look us up on YouTube, um, we're, we're right there. The Peace and Purpose podcast is the emblem. Um, so that's really the best place. Um, and from there, I, I can give you information on really how you can get more in touch with me through the comments or messaging me, that sort of thing. So, so those are the great places. Fantastic. Well, I have to tell you, I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed learning a little bit about your life story and how you help people sort of maximize their personal potential. Your work to the space and time on my behalf, I'm most appreciated, buddy, and I want to thank you for being here this morning. Yeah, I mean, hey, thanks for having me on, man. It, it's my pleasure. You don't even get it, man. I'm having a, I'm having a ball. So, so thank you so much. <laughs>